0: Welcome to the show. This week, we have a very special guest. Matt Wilkins, the American PI, Paul Jabe. Paul, the former owner of Heartland Investigations in Minnesota, checks in to talk about business strategies post-COVID-19. Now, Paul has an excellent blog available on this matter and is hosting a free webinar this Wednesday, June 17th at 10 a.m. Central Time. Register at AmericanPrivateInvestigator.com. Info will be in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by Crosstrax Case Management Software. Crosstrax now offers CTX Vision, a fully integrated video conferencing platform built into Crosstrax. The videos you host go directly into your video tab. Crosstrax also integrates with programs you already use like QuickBooks, DelvePoint, ScopeNow, Investigation Video Editor, Word, and more. The integrations combined with powerful features such as an automated audio transcription and report generation help investigators generate revenue and improve efficiency. The system can be customized for any investigative specialty. Start your free trial today at crosstrax.co and use promo code PIP20. Check out the latest issue of PI Magazine at PIMagazine.com, available online or by print. Look for Matt's columns on Podcasting 101 and his take on the investigative industry's trends. And now, the heartland meets the city that never sleeps. Please welcome Paul Jabe and our host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome, everybody, to the next episode of PI Perspectives.
1: This is your host, Matt Spare. So today we have a special episode, one I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, because uh it was in the works since about September of last year. Um, I was out in Michigan at a conference, and uh, I met Paul Jabe. And uh, Paul had given a great presentation with regards to like managing your business and and really trying to understand uh, retirement and having the, the goal of making your business the most valuable it could possibly be at the time you're, you're ready to tap out. One reason or another, we weren't able to actually get together until now, but now we are able to get together, and uh, I asked Paul to come on to talk about what he's been up to and what he's doing. So, Paul, I want to welcome you to the program. How are you doing today?
2: Great. Thanks a lot, Matt. I'm uh, excited to be here.
1: Right, right. So, you uh, at one point had owned Heartland Investigative Group. Mm -hmm. That was uh, started in 1991, I believe, right? That's right, yeah. So, tell me a little bit about how you got into the business and uh, what your background is.
2: Yeah, you know, I got into this in a uh, kind of an odd way. I, I Didn't have any real designs on getting into this business, but one day I went to visit my mother. I had just gotten out of college and um, she was on the phone. So I was sitting there reading the paper and going through the sports page, the Metro page. Finally, I'm in the one ads and this ad jumps off the page for um, investigators and it was for Equifax, the huge credit bureau. They had a large division called Equifax services where they did lots of background investigation, surveillance, public record retrieval. It was kind of a cool job, you know, right out of college. Uh, I stayed there for two or three years and then um, got licensed in September of, of 1991.
1: Right, and you, you built that business up. Right? You, you built it with your brother, is that correct?
2: Yeah, a couple of years in, uh, probably two or three years in, my younger brother, Tom, joined us, and then uh, for the next, gosh, 20 20, 22 years after that, we very cautiously but steadily built the agency. Finally, uh, as part of our plan, sold it to a much bigger player in 2015.
1: And you had about 100 employees at that time, right?
2: Yeah, we had just under 100 employees uh, and largely largely based here in the Midwest. We at times had offices in uh, Denver, Jacksonville. But at the end of the day, we kind of pulled everything back. Right. Um and decided to grow it, just dominate our own backyard.
1: Right, so um, what type of clientele did you service? Was it insurance, attorneys, what was the balance?
2: Yeah, we did very little uh, insurance work. Uh, it was only in our later years where we started to poach some really good surveillance guys, but the core part of our business was attorneys, corporate attorneys, little bit of criminal defense, but a tremendous amount of work for private equity, hedge funds, bankers doing a lot of enhanced due diligence and that's kind of where we made our name in the that weird little niche you know really profitable work relatively easy to to assemble once you kind of figure it out right um so that was kind of our our bread and butter so to speak
1: right right so, how did you um, start coming up with this concept or or this passion of of wanting to coach other investigators or just pass this knowledge along because that is something that you were very passionate about, and uh, mm-hmm. you know you, you have a lot of nuggets that you've you've offered along the way to different people so what what led you to go down that path
2: back in uh, two thousand and nine Matt I started to do a podcast called the American Private Investigator, and the intent was not to talk so much about the hard skills that investigators have or need, you know, like how to shoot better video or how to interview minors and, and that kind of stuff. Instead, we decided to kind of focus it on how to run a better agency. So that was kind of the focus. It was strictly as a, as a give back. At that point, I was still growing Heartland at the time and just didn't have the capacity to to, uh, you know, to work with a lot of, of PIs. But um, after I sold my agency, uh, sitting on the sidelines for a while, decided, you know, I really like working with small business owners and what better business to do it in, in, you know, one that I built from nothing, you know, to a, a $6 million, 100 person agency. And so I started onboard clients and probably have worked with, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen uh, private investigators just helping them build uh, a better agency that is reflective of what they really want.
1: Yeah, we're going to dig more into that in a, in a little bit. Um, so, tell me more about the podcast because you know that's how I actually first learned about you. Mm-hmm. Was looking for content out there uh, that I felt like it would be good to invest my time in. I, mm-hmm. I felt like the format that you had and the guests that you had. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Alan Goodman? <laughs> that guy's amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i finally got to use alan on a job i was so happy about that i was like you know it's like me talking to a rock star man I'm like, i am can listen to you forever you know hey i need a plate up in maine can you help me for, for the D M V plate we ended talking about cooking because we both like to cook you know like so, <laughs> uh, so it, it it was yeah. cool so um yeah just the concept and and you know i like to feel well i feel like that um my format of the show that I have, it, I borrowed a lot from from the structure and the way that you build things. But the, the difference is I wanted to focus more on the, how to do certain things or introduce people mm-hmm. that could help other investigators do. So, but, but that same kind of spirit of, you know, hey, we're going to talk about, you know, here's somebody who does something, who's grown their business and is successful, learn from it, right? Um, and to me, those are the podcasts I want to listen to. You know, it's nice to mm-hmm. hear about how a crime was uh, solved or, or, or any of that. Um, it, that serves its purpose as well. But for me, if I'm investing time in something, <laughs> you know, I want to be able to, to get something from it. So, yeah, I definitely, you know, I was inspired by, by what you did. And a lot of what I'm doing mm-hmm. now is based upon those shows. I really enjoyed listening to them.
2: Well, the the the, the reason, Matt, that we kind of went down that that path was I had become – pretty heavily involved in the industry from a young age. I had co-founded the Minnesota Association of Private Investigators. Um, I served on the National Association of Legal Investigators Executive Council for probably a decade, started a federal PAC. So I had the opportunity to meet hundreds and hundreds of PIs and I'd speak at conferences. So I really got around and, and what kind of dawned on me was I think as a profession, we are are so good at doing the actual work, um, and I love hearing about these successes uh, that people have, you know, cracking cases and you know being part of big criminal defense teams and all that. Um, but what I found really lacking um, was, you know, any sort of business training. You know, so many people come to our profession as a second career, where they maybe just didn't have the, you know, just didn't learn those skills. Uh, of how to build an agency. And, and, um, you know, as I progressed through my career, um, I liked owning and running an agency better than doing the investigative stuff.
1: It's a tough Um, balance, man. Yeah. Making that transition is really difficult. I struggle with it because I I do love doing the investigative work, but I Mm -hmm. really love being an owner as well. And I, I, the passion for growing my business is there. Like I really love doing Mm -hmm. that. I love managing people. Um, but every now and mm-hmm. then I like to get out there. And then the problem you have also is your clients want you out there too. Right. I hired Matt yeah. Spare to do this. I didn't hire, you know, mm-hmm. Matt's assistant, the apprentice. Yeah. Right. I, I want his 20 mm-hmm. something years of experience. So that's always a struggle mm-hmm.
2: also. Yeah. Great point. Because that really is one of the big struggles. And, and you know, the value of an agency cannot be the principal owner because then you you can't really sell it or you're severely discounted. Um, because if someone buys, you know, Matt Spare and associates, um, and there's no Matt Spare left, um, they don't feel like they've got anything. So I had to make a really hard choice. Um, and I, you know, I had a lot of help over the years. I was in a lot of peer groups. I hired consultants, um, and I made a hard break. It was, this is it. I'm no longer sticking my head into cases unless it was really up my, my alley. Right. Um so, you know, I might have billed, you know, 10 20 30 grand a year for the last 15 years um that I I ran the agency and
1: Yeah, and um, the, the that key is having good, good people, right? That's the other mm-hmm. thing, right? Being being willing to invest in your investigators, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, a good investigator, somebody that you can trust that, that they know they're going to um they're going to grasp onto the things that you teach them to do. Like they have a passion to do the work. They're not just mailing it in. Um, those people are very valuable, very valuable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I could not make the transition that I made without having a great staff behind me. And I do, I love the people mm-hmm. that work for me. They really um, mm-hmm. have a good passion for what they're doing and they're trainable, which is really important too.
2: Yeah. And you know, look, there, there are some, there are some, you know, there are pockets of our business where it is really hard to do that. So if you're a really, really good criminal defense investigator, yeah, your clients want you. And that really, really matters. But there's very few clients that insisted that Paul J does their, you know, their background check. You know, that could be done by a junior person and right. no one knew the better. So I right. do understand that for some, you know, it's it's very difficult. But that's not to say that you can't succeed. Right. But you just have to learn how to maximize the heck out of that and then build out around you right. other work for, you know, um, the 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 more entry level or junior investigators and that's where I think there's a, just a huge breakdown yeah um,
1: yeah I I remember that little nugget of not naming your agency after yourself that was something you had talked about out in Michigan so you just re- reminded me I was like oh yeah that's that's right that's why it's not Matt Spare Investigations <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> it's never about me anyways, right? It's about the case. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm okay about that. <laughs> so, okay. So this is a good point to jump out. We're going to, uh, check in with our sponsors real quick. And then uh, when we get back, I want to hear about this new initiative, this new thing that you're doing. You have an article available for people to download, um, from your website. I've, I've read the article already. It's awesome. It has, it's very timely, right? It's dealing with, uh, a lot of this stuff that's going on
0: right now. So we're gonna jump out real quick and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Scope Now. Have you tried Scope Now 3.0 yet? Scope Now offers a state of the art platform with the power and speed of automated intelligence. Unlock the potential of your investigative resources. Visit scopenow.com for more details. Use code PIP20 to receive additional benefits. Are you ready for the future of networking and learning for private investigators? Imagine an online community with a vast amount of training and resource material. What if we told you some of the best content and technology providers will give you discounts and benefits for signing up? Well, get ready for the investigators-toolbox.com. Coming online this month, learn more at investigators-toolbox.com. And welcome back,
1: everybody, to PI Perspectives. This is your host, Matt Spare. Uh, we are joined today by the American PI, Paul Jabe. Paul, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so when we left off, before we uh, stepped off with the sponsors, we were talking about, or we just about ready to talk about, this new initiative. So tell me, what have you been up to, and uh, what, what are you um, looking to do these days?
2: Well, Matt, as you know, I did the podcast, I think, through... 2015 or 2016, uh, and then you know, just kind of quietly worked with a lot of private investigators um, over the next uh, you know two three years. Uh, then I decided, you know, I, I need to amp this back up and get back out there, largely because of the situation that so many PIs are finding themselves in uh, right now with the the pandemic, um, such a Absolute and complete utter shock to you know all business owners, but PIs you know hit really really hard. And over the course of you know uh, gosh you know late February March, I started getting a lot of phone calls and made a lot of phone calls to try to get my handle on you know what's going on out there. And you know haven't been a PI for the better part of 30 years now. I've been through quite a few of these crises. The day that I got licensed. In 1991, I came back to my apartment, and the um, Iraq War had started, wow. which was disruptive. You know, no one knew what was going on. We're at war. We haven't been at war for a long time. You know, that was disruptive. the The savings and loan crisis was just getting cleaned up. Um, then there was the dot com bubble, um, 9/11, um, the Great Recession, and as I started to kind of reflect on things, I thought, you know, all those things happened, and somehow we survived. I, I don't, I don't ever, I really don't recall except for maybe the the week of nine 11 ever being really, really upset because we had the discipline internally to, um to pivot if we had to, and our product line was diverse enough. And, um, we had great relationships with our clients and, uh, we kind of got through it. So, um, uh, we kind of rebranded the American private investigator. We've got a new website and um, we're going to be offering uh, quite a bit of content out to the community. And the first thing that we published was the uh, hard times survival guide for private investigators. Right. And that's been out now for probably three weeks. Um, We've been pushing it out pretty hard. We've had, oh my God, hundreds and hundreds of of downloads of it. So it's, it's telling me that, that there's real anxiety out there. Yeah.
1: Listen, I've seen your, your marketing on social media, which is great. Um, so w- whatever you're doing with your, uh, yeah, secret sauce with uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's working because it's coming up on my feed. Just to let you know. Uh, <laughs> Your money is well spent, sir. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I read the articles and I found it to be extremely helpful. There there are some points and I'm, I, I'm going through it and I'm going, I did that. I did that. I did this. Oh, I didn't do that. Maybe I should probably uh-huh. do that, right? Um, which, which was uh, kind of cool. So I have my like, little scorecard <laughs> when we're... Uh, And we're dealing uh, with that. Um, So some of the bullet points in that. And I I thought something that was really, really um, awesome that you have in there, and it's so insightful, just understanding that your client, right, whether it be the insurance company or the attorney, is going through the same thing that you're going through, right? They don't know where their work is coming from. Like we're all in this together and have the grace when you're talking with somebody to understand they're in the same boat that you are, right? I thought that was really insightful. Very cool.
2: You're, you're right about that, and you know one of the lessons I learned in business was when I was 26 years old and just starting out. I thought, you know, how how remarkably smart am I going to be when I'm 50? Thinking that you know I'll have everything figured out. Well, I turned you know I turned 50, and it's like mm, I'm still kind of a dumbass. And you know you look around, and I you know lawyers are the same way, Insurer and, and you know. Leaders in insurance companies, um, corporate leaders, they're all scared to death of what's happening here. No one has quite figured this out.
1: Yeah, it's a brave new um, world. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. And I can tell That's you, like in, in New York, everything's amplified, right? <laughs> it's yeah. The 18th power. It's, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, as we're recording this tonight, you know, it, we're New York City's open for two days. You know, and already mm-hmm. people are just like the, the masks are off; they're running around. It's, you know, like, <laughs> right. it's like, hey, it's phase one, folks. <laughs> you know, like it's not, yeah. you know, we're not there yet. But there's yeah. just that, um, you know, sigh of relief, and then the, all the protesting on the, on top of that, which is a whole mm-hmm. other issue uh, that we're not going to get into right now. But that's um, that's that's feeding the fuel to the fire of, of um, unrest and, and uncomfortableness as far as um, getting back into business and things returning to to the normal mm-hmm. or the new normal, right? That you, you, that's mm-hmm. got to be part of the equation as well. The unrest that's been going on.
2: Yeah, and you know the the advice that I give here, none of it is really terribly groundbreaking. But sometimes we just forget about the the basics, the blocking and tackling. So this is the worst time in the world to not be talking to your clients. And our first reaction is, well, no one's calling me. I'm not going to call them. They'll call right. me when they need something. Right.
1: Yeah, big mistake, um, right? So engaging your clients. That's that's your first bullet yep. point on that. And I thought yep. that was really, really, really great, actually. Yep. That was like um, the first thing that I did before I started doing all the webinars, because that was the second thing I started doing, right? It was the training. But the first thing was like, you know, I'm just going to reach out to, so you know, touch base with my clients. I know that there's no work available. I know they're working from home. I know they don't have their files well, let's just shoot the breeze. And I ended up talking, um, of cooking a lot with them because, you know, some of them do follow me on social media and I like to cook. Right. So I, Oh, that steak was awesome. How did you make that? <laughs> so here I am. Like I have these attorneys, like they're, they're, I'm giving them advice and teaching them like my styles of cooking meat. And they're, they're sending me photos. Hey, like I'm, my kids love this. I'm a champ. Thank you. Right. Uh, completely unrelated to law or any of that, but I'm building relationships. Right um so i thought i thought that was a real good point right engaging with your clients and it's not too late now Mm -hmm. is the time to do it right if they're just getting ready to get back to work like they're a week or two away from having to go into their office this is a perfect time to do it send out your constant contact and make your phone calls and do what you need to do right
2: right and it can be as simple as just um and in the article i give some examples of you know how would you connect with the the message to a lawyer is a little different than a message to an insurer or right. a corporate
1: client. Yeah, that was actually a good point too. You have different uh, uh models there to follow when you're uh, when you're contacting mm-hmm. contacting yeah. people. So yeah. it's
2: not you know it, it it's not like you have to have, you know, a, a a big pitch ready. Sometimes it can just be, you know, I hey, I'm thinking of you. I hope everything's okay. Should anything come up, I want you to know that we're we're open and if we can do it, we'll do it.
1: Right. Right. And it, you know, it's funny cause you can sense the frustration in their voices too when you're talking to them, right? They don't want to mm-hmm. be at home. They're sick of their kids too. They just want to go back yeah. to work, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So the second point you have is connecting with your peers, which is another thing that I, I found myself doing. Right. Let me call mm-hmm. the folks that um, I know all around the country and say, Hey, what's going on in new Orleans? What's going on in LA? Tell me mm-hmm. what's going on in, D- in Detroit. I want to know like, what's Chicago like? Um, and just reaching out to the investigators I know all throughout the country, and just touching base and saying, Hey, this is what 's going on in new york what 's going on by you so I had a lot of those types of conversations
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think sometimes we get um you know a little worked up about talking to competitors. I think that 's probably a little overblown oh, but yeah, all nonsense, of nonsense right <laughs> yeah. but you know we all have friends in other markets, and, yeah. um you know you you just never know i 've talked to some some uh uh investigators one in uh in new england who said um i'm just killing it i couldn't be busier he pivoted from doing uh all his work comp surveillance to just hammering certain channels on social media with domestic stuff and was just brilliant he says i don't like it but i can turn it on and off
1: Um, yeah you do what you have to do at these times right
2: You know, and then he said, yeah, I was talking to someone in L.A. about it and they did the same thing. So, you know, those are are good examples of, of, you know, sharing what's working and what's not working.
1: Well, I'll tell you what's working now in New York. Anyone who does armed security, (laughs) every company wants wants two armed guards, you know, in front of their facility and or or the executives want them at their house. Like it's uh, it's no joke. So, yeah, the folks that do that up around here that I've talked to, I mean, they're they're soliciting people to come Mm -hmm. work for them. Like they have so much work they can't handle it. Uh, Mm -hmm. They need armed guards and, uh, and uh, drivers and things like that. So that part of our industry is booming these days. Mm -hmm.
2: And if you remember too, Matt, maybe I I think you'll remember this, but after the great recession, the mortgage crisis, there was a whole cottage industry that popped up around mortgage fraud. And, you know, uh, um, law firms and certain government agencies were saying, okay, run down this uh, mortgage holder. Right. find out, you know, see if they have their original app. And, um, it was crazy. Uh, right. a friend of mine up in Michigan who made a fortune doing that for probably two or three years. Right. So in all types of crisis, there are opportunities.
1: Well, contract, uh, contact tracing now is, is the thing. Um, mm-hmm. I know in New York we tried to get our association on board with that, but, uh, the, the governor had other plans on, you mm-hmm. know, wanting to have more control with it. And Mike Bloom- Bloomberg, stepped in and, uh, you know, he's running the whole show on this stuff, but there are still investigators that are going through that Johns Hopkins program with the thought that, Hey, I'm, I know I'm not going to make a lot of money on this, but it's something for me to do right now. And it's my way to help, you know, in in the situation. So Uh like, uh, you know, socially for community, like this is my way of giving back, (laughs) uh, doing it. And you know, it's a natural, right. An investigator should be a contact tracer. Like we have the skills to do it. Correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of that going on there too. Um, so the third point in your article I thought was great too, is uh, don't stop investing in growth. Um, so why don't you touch on that a little bit?
2: hmm. Well, um, one of the reactions that all of us have in times of crisis is, uh, as business owners is, um, okay, no revenues coming in. What do I cut? And you can cut with a chainsaw or a scalpel, and you have to be very careful. So there are certain things that you can um, cut that won't have that much of a material effect. But one of the things that I see, not just in our business, but in a lot of businesses, is the first thing that goes is the marketing budget. And while you might not want to be spending as much on marketing, you have to keep investing somewhere. Because you know when things get turned back on and they're getting turned back on pretty quickly. If your pipeline is completely dry, you're going to have to spend now another month after everything gets turned back on trying to generate work.
1: Oh, well, here's the, um, here's so the I, danger oops. in that too. And I don't mean to jump in, but the danger in that is if we get a second wave, right? If there's uh, yeah, you know, if this happens again and we're, we're shut off now, you had this opportunity in this small window of three or four months of, of banging out business. Now everyone's mm-hmm. at home again. So, You know there is that danger of that, so I I think you know you make a good point of investing in marketing and and making sure that you're ready for the uh, or 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 you're you're ready to handle the work or or advertise that you're out uh, to handle Mm -hmm. the work when it comes in.
2: Yeah, and you know, look, there's a a lot of different forms that that you know uh, investing in your continued growth can can be. One of them could be reaching out to the bar association and offering uh, a webinar, getting in front of some virtual groups. Um, you just gotta stay out there. You can't stay buried with your uh, with your head in the sand. Right. Um, and that's a, a that's could be a fatal mistake. Um, I'm afraid for a lot of struggling PIs that were maybe not doing great to begin with. But we're entering a new a new normal now. And yeah.
1: no, it's, um, it's true. We need. To- I, I think you were also talking about uh, the pro bono work, right? Uh, doing background checks mm-hmm. for landlords, or you know, just kind of paying it forward. Uh, yes for for people for later on I thought that was pretty insightful uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty cool too so I think we kind of covered the fourth point a little bit um but it, you had it, you have here anticipating new and and changing needs so that's kind of what we we're we're mm-hmm. talking about here right the the new normal right. and uh things that are are moving okay. uh moving forward yeah
2: and the and, and the point on that Matt going it's almost going back to the very first point about talking to your clients because they may tell you things that surprise you like, yeah, you know, we're we're not going to be bringing back everyone to the office here. We're probably going to cut staff, so we're going to broker out more of our litigation support. Well, it's, it'd be good to know that, wouldn't it? So in addition to anticipating these new and changing needs, ask about these new uh, changing needs. Customers will tell you uh, if they need more from you, um, right. they'll, they'll let you know, but you have to ask.
1: Sure especially those that like do do computers and like setting up networks and security with networks. Like there's a real opportunity for that with so many people working from home now. Oh, Um, absolutely. Being able to service that and making sure that there's, uh, you know, all that information is being protected the way it should be protected. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's another opportunity, um, Mm -hmm. for us. So, the other thing you were talking about was addressing a budget which I thought was really good right going back and looking at your books and and seeing you know like forecasting out for the rest of the year what is that going to look like and how am I going to survive um, mm-hmm. I thought was pretty insightful too so let's talk about that mm-hmm. a little
2: bit yeah you know uh, you know a lot of people don't do real formal budgeting and if I'm working with someone with a relatively small agency sometimes budgeting is uh, kind of fruitless because there's just too many factors out there but we can all look and at you know, between now and the end of the year, what assumptions can you make? Um, and again, you, you have to be talking to your clients because some are going to tell you, hey, we're done. We're, we're not opening back up um, or our work is not going to come back for a long time. So once you, you know, have pounded some stakes in the ground and you kind of know what's definitely going to be there, what might be there and what is definitely not going to be there, start making some assumptions like, oh, God, you know, I think we'll build another Two hundred grand this year, and how does that work out? Right. Who stays, who goes? Um,
1: Time to get the calculator uh, out and figure it out, right? Absolutely, and and
2: you know if you have a a really good accountant who understands the business, that could be helpful. Right. But man, there's just there's so many different things that you can look at that can kind of ease the pain. Yeah. Um,
1: no, it's uh, it's true. I mean, if you're talking about doing business with attorneys, I know here in New York. Yeah, they're talking about we're not going to have any trial by juries till you know January or yeah. February, right? So there goes mm-hmm. all the subpoenas at the window, right? Uh, you know, there there goes uh, you know all this uh, pretrial work that uh, needs to get mm-hmm. done. If that's your bread and butter, then yeah, you should be talking to your clients and figuring out what am I what am I going to do here? I know uh, there's uh, some some of the guys I know, and I do a little bit myself too. Is the the jury research right? We've got all this abilities to you know do backgrounds on jurors and it's really cool neat stuff well if there's no juries happening then uh what what are we doing Mm -hmm. here we're not selling too much so um yeah i think just you know having that assumption of what's what the rest of the year is going to look like is something that's uh probably very prudent to do
2: Mm -hmm. well and i think one of the tough tough things coming up for a lot of people matt is your biggest expenditures are rent which you can oftentimes have a very difficult time unwinding from that. But this, uh, the other big expenditures is uh, our wages. And, you know, these are times where it's so difficult to, to lay someone off. And the mistake a lot of people make is they just wait too long. Um, and, you know, they end up paying someone for being on the payroll for months on end when you should have known that work is not coming back
1: don't be a hero, um, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and the thing is that <laughs> the way they've set up with unemployment right now, it, I'm finding it maybe hard to bring them back. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've had questions from people that work for me that say, okay, well can you guarantee me full-time work? Yep. Not now, maybe in about three weeks, but not now. Well, I'm mm-hmm. making more money on unemployment, so I think I'm just going to stay on unemployment. I was like, can you just shoot me an email then just saying you're refusing work so when I get audited by the <laughs> Department of Labor, I at least have a record <laughs> of it. Thank right. you very much. <laughs>
2: Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and, um, and, you know, look, I empathize with people. I've been through these situations before. It's really easy for you and I to sit here and say, you know, cut wages. You know, it's tough. It's really hard when you, you know, these people have worked with you for a long time, but you can't forget that at the end of the day, it's a business.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So the other thing you you had talked about was knowing your insurance coverage and, uh, your banking covenants, uh, which I thought Mm -hmm. was, was interesting. It was a good point, right? Um, no, um, really with the insurance policy of, of, you, if you have that insurance coverage for, um, business stoppage, uh, I thought it was really, really cool. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so why don't you talk, talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, we, oftentimes we, when we buy insurance for the business, we tend to get the bare minimum. We don't read the policy. The agent typically doesn't really know what's included in there or not. It's all well in the fine print two interesting things have happened. So we have first the pandemic and that's certainly business interruption. Chances are extremely low that that would be covered. But now with the civil unrest, you know, if your building that, you, um, that you're that you in, uh, your office is in, got looted or burned down, you may have coverage. And so it's really important that, um, and I learned this lesson um, many, many years ago, whenever you're dealing with an insurer, you never ask these kind of questions to the broker, or the agent, you know, the person who sold it to you, you always call the claims people, and then everything's got to be in writing. You know, we're turning down the claim because of this. Right. And if you disagree with it, then you start fighting it. And insurers tend to, you know, their first reaction, and we all know this from being in the war comp space, the, the first reaction to everything is we're not paying. Of course. The second point then is with your bank, and, and you know, uh, a lot of our listeners have lines of credit. Um, your line of credit is always predicated on your revenue. Right. So if you're thinking, you're, oh, "I haven't tapped my line of credit," that'll that'll save me when I open the doors back up. Well, a month later, the bank's going to say, "Okay, you've tapped up your line of credit. Where's fill out this uh, borrowing certificate?" And your borrowing certificate is revenue. Minus 20%, minus anything over 90 days. And, uh, you know, you better have that much. And right. I think a lot of people don't know that. Right. So most people, if you have a line of credit, you know your banker well, just, again, just get in front of it.
1: Yeah, I think uh, when you when you reach a certain size with your business, you almost have to have a line. If you don't have a line, then uh, you you yeah. got money stuffed in the in the sofa somewhere or <laughs> in a, uh-huh. under the bed somewhere. Because... <laughs> uh, you know, it's definitely part of, uh, part of that growth strategy that kind of segues us into what, what you're doing, what, what the ultimate goal for Paul James is and he going forward here. Um, that's mm-hmm. one of the bullet points for you, for, for your coaching service, right? That, and one of the things you offer, um, are different strategies for growth for people's business, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you have different tracking programs and things that you use as well, right? Um, and, uh. Mm -hmm. marketing solutions and troubleshooting and and things like Mm -hmm. that. So you have a real formula to how you you actually coach people. And, hey, listen, you said it yourself. You've been doing this over 30 years. Um, Mm -hmm. It sounds like you know what you're doing, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the advantage I have, uh, you know, I don't claim to be any smarter than anyone else. But the advantage I have in this space is that, you know, for probably 95% of all investigators out there, wherever they are in their journey, um, I've been there. Um, and it's just because I was around a long time, and I I grew it from you know a, a really small enterprise to something something big. So I I have the advantage of just happen to see and go through a lot of different things, and that's really what I'm I'm looking to impart with people. So we've kind of got two tracks, Matt, going forward. And and if if people keep their eye on um, uh, AmericanPrivateInvestigator.com, we are putting out some webinars now. One of them is called Reboot Your Agency. Uh, which talks about, okay, how do we get out of this last three, four months here? And it's it's kind of what we just talked about here, but some specific strategies on rapidly recovering revenue, recalibrating your marketing, things like that. But the two kind of um, uh, uh, things I'm really excited about, we're going to starting a couple of different groups here. We're going to have cohorts of 10 investigators in a 13-week course um, where we just go through, you know, 13 different things of, uh, that you need to do as an agency owner. Some of them we've talked about here today. And this would be for people that are kind of still in that growth phase and they, they really want to um, make sure that uh, they're building a, a really great uh, business. Right. The next group that we're going to be working with are people that are ready to consider getting out. And there's a couple strategies about how to get out of your business. You can simply turn it over to a family member. You can turn the lights off or you can uh, sell it. And each one of those things is a whole different path. And so we're going to be getting some groups together to be talking about that. And then I'm um, uh, working with some uh, some private equity guys that are considering doing kind of a, a roll-up of the industry for, you know, certain sectors. Right. Um, but that's an opportunity to kind of learn, you know, because I went through that too. You know, it was very, very complicated. I'm selling a business my
1: size. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, (laughs) how do you sleep at night?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was it was a lot of lot of pressure, and again, I learned a lot through that process. So we're going to try to help a lot of these investigators who have great value tied up, but they just don't know how to how to get out. And you know, sometimes it's too late. It's like, God, I'm seventy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, like the nightmare that I have is is shutting lights off. Right. You work your whole life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to walk away with with nothing after you've put your you know blood sweat, and tears into it to me is that that's that's disturbing <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> that yeah. is a nightmare for me,
2: and one of the things we talk about Matt is you know that that you should always be looking there's a very simple calculation that gives you a general idea of what your agency is worth, and that's something you should be looking at on a really regular basis. You just fill in these five boxes and Kind of here, you know, here's where it's at. And a lot of guys, I find it two different ways. They're either stunned at how little they're worth or they're stunned at how much they're worth. There's very little in the middle. Um, you know, because most business owners, if you talk to business brokers, will say every single business owner thinks their business is worth vastly more. Of course. Yeah. Than what it's actually worth.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I fell into that category, too. So I had to, you know, had my bubble burst and then I had to, you know, kind of reevaluate and and take another year to uh, straighten some things out. So we're really excited about these new offerings.
1: Yeah. I I love the idea of getting, you know, this uh, group of people together, you know, that are Mm -hmm. kind of in the same uh, boat as far as their experience goes and helping Mm -hmm. one another just really kickstart and push forward and, and, you know, Making their their operation run better, you know, because what what works for somebody, you know, may not have been considered by somebody else, you know. And to be able to have those conversations and then having a third or fourth person say, "Yeah, hey, that's a good idea," or "Yes, I did this," or "You know, never thought about doing that," like that excites me. I think that's something that's not out there, and I think it's really really cool to be able to create that group.
2: Yeah, it's it's an you know it's really interesting. You you, you find out you know most of these things that have happened to us in the last twenty years. You know, nine eleven was super sudden even the great recession, you know, that fateful day in October where the floor fell out and then with the pandemic preceding all these things were pretty frothy times. So a lot of us got a little, you know, kind of lazy, you know, work was just rolling in. You didn't have to work that hard for it. And then all of a sudden when something like this happens, you realize, Oh my gosh, I'm not doing the basic stuff. I've lost sight of the, the blocking and tackling and, um, You know, there, there are times to work in the business and there are times to work on the business. And I think that latter thing is what we often forget because every time you go to a conference, nine out of 10 tracks are, are about, you know, the mechanics of being a PI sure, and not about being a business owner. And I think that's troublesome.
1: Yeah. And one of the most valuable things is the relationships that you build there, right? Sitting at your table and eating your lunch by yourself is, you know, you're, you're not getting your money's worth by doing that, right? right? You should be you know, hanging out and talking to people and just understanding what their business yeah. is and how they operate and do things.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right. So, uh, we're going to wind down here in a, in a little bit. This was great. I really, um, I was so looking forward to this conversation cause I, it, it's literally been, you know, nine months since I wanted to chat with you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I respect the heck out of you and you know, you, you, you've just, um, you know, your, your experience and the things you bring to the table really, really awesome. Um, so tell folks how they can get a hold of you.
2: Sure. Uh, you can visit uh, AmericanPrivateInvestigator.com. It gives all the information on our upcoming events. You can also download the uh, survival guide that Matt and I were uh, just talking about. I'm also um, on uh, Facebook, and we put a lot of posting content out on uh, Facebook. And just look up uh, at American Private Investigator. Uh, you can sign up and get into our um, our system and we'll send you um, things directly as to what's happening.
1: Yeah, we're going to have all that information in the show notes, too. So, hey, Paul, thank you so much for this time. Uh, it's been great. I'm excited by these uh, new projects. Uh, I know uh, folks have, have been asking. I see it like, hey, when are you coming back with the podcast? So hopefully that's in the mix as well. Um, listen, my show is usually about 35 to 40 minutes. They're 24 hours in the day. So I encourage all good podcasting to get out there, right? I don't need to hog everybody. So um, I, don't, I don't know if that's in your plans, but it's definitely something that would be well uh, welcomed if you're doing it uh, by more than just me I'm not I'm not the only fanboy out there
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really appreciate it Matt I am a big fan of yours too and I, I love the program it's um
1: yeah I think you're doing a
2: great job well, I really you. appreciate you having me on
1: thank you thank you all right so uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here so uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and
0: uh, we'll catch you guys next week on the next show take care everybody now how great was it to hear Paul Jabe in the podcast format again we want to thank him for his time and we encourage you to check out the webinar this Wednesday at 10 a.m. It's free to attend. Check the show notes for more info. We also want to thank Crosstrack, ScopeNow, and the investigators-toolbox.com for sponsoring this show. Please folks, check out their site and consider using their services. Now make sure you use code PIP20 for additional savings. Hey, next week, we welcome Andrew Orozco from Advanced Professional Investigations. Please be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share the show with your friends. Have a great week, stay safe, and thanks for tuning into PI Perspectives.